0: Well, some of you might know me, some of you may not. My name is Craig Coolish. I uh, have served in different roles here at Oak Grove at different times, and today I'm privileged to be able to share scriptures from the Holy Bible. Maybe the Lord has uh, given me some insight through years of good teaching and study and and through years of of some challenge. And uh, we're going to look at that today. So, God be with us, and I thank you. Um, Today we're going to be reading in uh, uh, the book of Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. But before we go there, I want to get maybe your wheels turning a little bit. Have you ever been in a setting, a church or a wedding or an anniversary, where they say, have you been married... Three to five years, they might have everybody stand up. If you're married three to five years, sit down. If you're married five to ten, sit down. And you're married ten to twenty-five, sit down. And and at the end of it, you find, you know, that there's these two or three couples that their marriage has been a duration of fifty, sixty years. And we look at that, and it is something that we as- seek to. Acquire in our lives. That our our marriages would be long-standing. We're not speaking of marriage today, but bear with me. That our marriages would endure. And that our, our lives together would not somehow have this separation and breakdown. I want us to think of that marriage a little bit as we're going to go into Thessalonians. What about our marriage to Christ. We are spoken of, the church as a whole, not you individually, but we can look at you individually. We are the bride of Christ. In our salvation, in in our being changed from, someone spoke darkness to light. I think that was Matt. Matt. Uh, it, it is referred to in the Bible as a marriage. And in the last days, and we'll get there, it speaks of the, the marriage supper, uh, of when, when the church and Christ is reunited. But in our marriages or in our Christian walks, there are a variety of different periods or stages we go through. When you first get introduced to your spouse or after a period of dating, you find out that, you know, you're just infatuated in this love and it's just, it's consuming and it's everything. And then you set a date. And for a while, it's just like we're living on top of the world. And everything is wonderful and super. And and then a stage in your Christian walk and a stage in, in maybe your marriage, we find out that a little bit of the bloom has come off the rose. And it's not only that other individual, but it's us. And we see that in this situation, I'm this kind of person. And in... This situation, he or she reacts or responds this way or that way. And we spend a period of time growing and forgiving and asking the Lord to change us. In our Christian walk, we find that same thing. We find that the we were introduced to Christ and, and His forgiveness and we're on top of the world and everything and it's just pie in the sky and beauty and as a friend of mine would say rainbows and unicorns and fuzzy bunnies and then we end up settling into little more of the day to day life and we might find in our Christian walk that I react this way in this situation Or when something happens around me, I react this way. And because God is real, because the Holy Spirit is placed in our hearts, we begin to feel conviction. And we begin to cry out, Lord, change who I am. Take this situation away. And and at times, we, we find answer to prayer and boom. But in me, with my characteristics and my traits and my personality, it is a struggle to overcome what I was born as and born into. The Bible speaks of sin. That all men not only have done sin, but sin was passed down to us. And there is this time period of us walking out our, our faith and our Christian life. And it seems like this sin, though I so much want the separation from it, it lingers and it's there. And in marriage and in Christian walk, That's not where you stay. I don't know what kind of time period it is and how the Lord moves and develops and changes us through. We find it in Scripture. But we are, day by day, conformed more and more into His image. And we find that that in my marriage, my tendencies are being yielded to the Lord. Her tendencies are being yielded. And we begin to grow more into a union that, that Christ says he had created marriage for. The two shall become one flesh. And, and there are stages we go through and periods of time where it seems as if it's a challenge, or there, as we read about the Thessalonians, there might be an affliction. a a dry period, a hard period of time. And yet the Lord is with us as we've sung and as... And and we come through that on the other side. And we find the joy. And we find that our lives have been changed and that the two people have become one. And ultimately in our Christian walk, we are going to find that, that we are reunited with our Lord. Jesus Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But right now, we're somewhere in the middle. We're between that infatuation and we're in, in not quite taken home yet. Uh, let's look at, I want to make sure I keep rolling because I can talk. Let's, let's look at, the, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. We're not pulling it up yet. But I want to give you a little bit of history in the, Uh, church of Thessalonica, Nolica. That's a hard one to pronounce for me. I don't know what I might start calling them. As we look at that church, I would like to bring us first to Acts. We can bring that scripture up. Acts 17, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and and turn to that. I'm going to be using the ESV as my intention. Sometimes things go wrong. This is how the church of Thessalonica was introduced to Christ. It's a very small passage. Um Some places Paul went and spent a long time. He spent months. He spent... And he returned. And let's look at verse 1. Now when they had passed through two places that begin with A, they came to Thessalonica. Now this they're speaking of is Paul and Silas, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days, and he reasoned with them from the Scriptures... And, he, and explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and for Christ to be risen from the dead. And he, was, and he said, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. I think we should look and try to keep that in our mind. The message that he presented to this church. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise. And Jesus is the Christ. Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. Funny phrasing. There was many influential women. Verse 5. And But the Jews were jealous taking some wicked men of the rabble and they formed a mob and they set in the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd and when they could not find them they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also and Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decree of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. You know, really interesting as you look at this, this is exactly what happened to Jesus the last week of his life. They they, they came against him and said, this man is against the government. He is against Caesar. He's claiming to be king. He is wanting to overthrow Rome. The Jewish leaders were jealous and angry. He is speaking blasphemy and heresy, claiming to be the Son of God. This is the message presented to the church. It's the exact same argument that that they used against Jesus. Let's go back to the text and the people. Verse 8. And the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. If we look at this and we dive into one of the verses, we just find Paul was there for three Sabbath, Sabbath days. This church... In, Thessalonica <laughs> had a whirlwind engagement, and the marriage happened fast. And then immediately, they found struggle. They they found opposition. They found persecution. They found trial. And sometimes in our lives, we can relate to that. I want to, if we may. Look at Thessalonians. This is going to be our main text. I wanted to give you some background on that. Go to Second Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book that was written to the Thessalonian church three main things were presented. And both Thessalonian books are awful short. Um, And the first Thessalonian books, very much so believed to be the first books that Paul wrote. Not, Not long into the development of the Christian church. Early. And early there was struggle. And there was affliction. And there was persecution. In the first book, he wrote to them, thanking them that they received the message of Christ so, well, so readily and that they were saved. In the first book, he wrote to them that you might be established now in your faith, in your belief that Christ is the Savior. And the third point, to encourage them in their walk toward holiness. Gentiles were, were not really moral people. Um, they had no moral compass. Those are different churches that he speaks to. That, but he encourages them to holiness. In Second Thessalonians, it is written to commend their growth and their faith. I'm not there yet. He he wrote to the se- the second book, or the second letter. To encourage them in their sufferings. in the second letter he wrote to, of addressing the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fulfillment, the marriage supper of the lamb, when the church is reunited with our husband. And in Second Thessalonians he encouraged them sanctification and holiness as well. In in our main text today, 2 Thessalonians 1, I am going to present to you that our lives are not all that we need to be focusing on. Whether we are in a high point and whether it is joy and everything is going well, or whether we are in a low point point. And our struggle is just seeming to be unbearable. I want to present, though, there is a bigger picture than what you and I are going through today. It is to the glory of God. We're going to take this apart and look at it. But how is God glorified in us today? In, in victory and in struggle, and in affliction and oppression, to the glory of God in all things. So let's look now to the text. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in one section. Paul, silvanius and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for your brother, for you brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. And verse four and verse four, therefore we ourselves boast. Paul said, I, I am bragging on you for, for your growth in your faith and for your love of the other Christians. And he says, I boast in you in other churches of God for your steadfastness and your faith in all persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. three things that he thanks God for in their life or that he commends them for. In 1 Thessalonians, very similar, the greeting and the first few verses, he speaks of your faith and how you received it so readily. In this book, he says that your faith is abounding. Abounding. And increasing that you as a Christian are continuing to grow. That you're learning and hearing and that you're submitting yourself to the Lord and that your faith is growing. The second thing, very interesting. He mentions that your love for one another in the first book. In this book, he says that your love for one another is increasing. You're not content and you're not staying where you were. Relationships within the church are becoming stronger. Your focus and your concern is not your life outside, but you're putting your time and your thought and your effort and your commitment into the other saints. And the third one, he he brags on them about, and he qualifies it. Your steadfastness or your patient enduring while in persecution and trials and afflictions. Matt spoke of referencing, comparing yourself among yourselves. There's nothing good that usually comes of that. He brings to us here in your persecution, in your affliction, in your trial, in your struggle, in that low point of your walk, possibly with Christ, you are enduring and you're increasing in your steadfastness. This is a compliment that was given to them. In our Christian walk, we all face different degrees of persecution and affliction and struggle. It it is a reality to this church. It is how they were. It was what they were formed in. A whirlwind introduction. Introduction. A marriage that happened very quickly and readily and accepting and, and then immediately struggle in your Christian walk. Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe it didn't happen right off the bat. Maybe you walked with Christ 10 years and you find out or you ask yourself, what is this about? Because it's It's hard. Sometimes Christian life is not easy. And you know what? It's the Lord that challenges us. It's the Lord that allows that struggle. It's the Lord who allows that persecution. Let us look at the passage here more because we're going to see why. This verse 5, I think I asked for them to put up all by itself. Because it is a tough passage, this is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. And you think, what does that mean? I might try to take it apart and rephrase it a little bit. The judgment is not that God placed that suffering on you. The judgment is that in the suffering, you are continuing and the judgment is you are approved and you have been tried and found tested as we go through the struggle And we remain faithful to the Lord. He looks at us and he says, you're tested. You have been tried and you are approved. And as I look at you, you are worthy of the kingdom of God because this is what you are suffering for. I don't want to get away from marriage and I want to get to our Christian walk. Why are we suffering? It is because we are Christians. It is because the Lord allows it. And I want to present, as I did, that it is that God may be glorified in how you go through that and come out the other side. It's not about just you in the trial. And it's not about them in the... Tr- it's about the trial produces in us glory for our God. And our lives are to reflect and glorify Him. And, and these trials that we face, they can, a variety. You might be walking in your life right now with social affliction or trial or persecution your family or your friends or your group may not accept you you may find that as I'm walking with God he wants to move me this direction but that means I need to walk away from maybe this and it's hard And and in your life, you might find that my struggle or my trial is my finances. I can never get on top. And it seems like I'm always just one step below survival. It seems that that could be the thing that is plaguing you. God's not gone. He hasn't left you. Or forsaken you, Matt Red. You might find, you know, your struggles in this Christian life. You're finding pressure. You're finding opposition in your continuing your endurance in the faith. It 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 could be uh, employment issues. It, It could be health ailments, and they could be lingering. And you ask God in all of this, why? Why has this not been taken away from me? I could go into a real good passage about Paul. A thorn in the flesh that he had. And he said, God, why have I not been delivered? And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because the whole picture is not to make your life easier. It's to make you tried and tested and proven that you might glorify God through what you're in. In our trials, in our opposition, in our persecution, we might find that the three things that were mentioned in verses 3 and 4, he spoke of, That your faith is growing. We might find in our trials that our faith is getting tested and we might not feel like it's growing. In these trials and afflictions and persecution and the opposition which you might be finding, he said, Secondly, your love for one another is tested. Your love for the body of Christ, for the church, what are you going to do when you feel the pressure of the world coming down? Do you retreat? Do you run away? Do you, or do you find the encouragement and the strength and do you commit yourself and receive the commitment of others? Your love is abounding, it's increasing. In our trials and in our struggles and our opposition, our endurance is exercised. I really love this thought. When we when we're faced with uh, temptation, I, I love this thought, and it's not in my notes. But we go uh, a day or an afternoon or three hours. We might go five days in resisting temptation. We, we might actually find ourselves in a time where I'm good. I've gone two months in resisting temptation, and there are times, you and I both, we give in to that temptation. Christ, our example. He endured temptation. He endured the the the, the struggle, the the opposition, and he endured and he endured. And he endured. And when do we find that he ever gave in? He didn't. I I give in sometimes when there's 10 pounds of weight on me. Maybe you're stronger and you give in when there's 100 pounds. And maybe there's some phenomenal Christian who gives in when there's 500 pounds. Christ bore it all and he never gave in. His faithful and patient endurance as the Thessalonian church was tried. He never gave in. The compliment to this church was you are enduring and you're continuing and because of this we see evidence that the work of God in your life you, you have been deemed approved. Approved. We, we see in this passage three different verdicts. Starting in verse 5, we looked at that, that you, if you in, grow in your faith, that you in, increase in your love, and you patiently endure affliction, you're approved. Now, it's not in our own strength, and it's not this time around, over a period of time, God says, you are my sons and daughters. Endure, love, grow, and one day we'll be reunited. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. The verdict for the faithful follower of Christ your life is evidence of approval. Verse 6 and 7, it takes a little turn. Since God indeed considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, he begins to introduce the verdict on the persecutors or the afflictors. In verse 8, he says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. That's a big statement. Nothing good. Nothing holy, nothing peaceful, no pleasure, no fulfillment. They will be separated from his presence and from the glory of his might. The end of verse 9. Verse 10 the third verdict. The third judgment, the third statement, Christians enduring, you're approved. Opposers and persecutors, you will be damned. The third judgment, when he comes on that day, the return of our Lord, to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at amongst all who believe because our testimony to you was believed by you. We see here, there's another judgment or verdict that God is glorified. He's glorified in us. As we Find our way through this life that is not always rainbows, peak joy, fuzzy bunnies, chocolate ice cream. (laughs) He is glorified in us while we are in that trial, in that struggle, in that situation that lingers and you just can't understand why it's not gone. God, deliver me. Paul said, I've I've prayed for this thing. I've prayed that you'd deliver me. And Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Verse 11 and then verse 12, to this end we pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Verse 12 again, the verdict. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go through our life, we may be in the time where we question, Lord, why have you not taken this from me? Why have I not been delivered from? Through it, what is this about Lord I've been saved seven years now and it feels like at times I just met you and I'm starting over the answer at that time is that he might be glorified in you we're going to come to a real good thing When we ask God what end or why, I would present to you that it is for the glory of the Lord. When we feel we cannot endure this trial struggle, I would present to you it is for the glory of the Lord. When we feel worn out, tired, or weary, and we don't necessarily want to continue, I would say to you, it is for the glory of the Lord. When, we're, when our physical body is ailing and we're dealing with maybe a long and maybe a non-recovering physical condition, and you ask why, I would say to you, it is for the glory of the Lord in your struggle, in your trial, in this opposition Grow in your faith. Abound in your love. Continue in patient endurance that the Lord God is glorified in the end of all through his saints, both the Thessalonian church and us. Persecution, trial. And we may face it. We might face like they did government. We may face other religious organizations. Continue growing in your faith, the truth of Scripture. Enforce your belief that Jesus was the Messiah. Continue to love the body. Engage. And continue to endure patiently. I want to go to one passage before we close. And we have that slide as well. You know, I've been looking at, at the church in Thessalonica. And we look at their example. We look at what they've gone through. And we look that Paul said it is for the glory of God. But if we go to John 12, I want to look and bring into a, our, our view Christ himself. John twelve twenty seven Jesus' ministry, his preaching and teaching and expounding on the Jewish scriptures and revealing new of who He is, beginning to clue people in on the new covenant, beginning to show them that He is the fulfillment, and His following and the people increasing. Do you remember on the last day of, last week of his life, coming into Jerusalem? And he came in on a donkey, and the whole street was lined with crowds, and they laid down palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna! Christ in the highest, and he was at maybe the pinnacle of his earthly ministry. And shortly after, Let's look at what he says. Now is my soul troubled. Jesus was so much like you and I. He didn't just say this. He said it because he felt it. I am struggling. He in all ways became a man like you and I my soul is heavy and I am weary and you might say that he's saying I'm scared. He was a human being always like us. Yet without sin. Yet God. And he's troubled because he is going to be taking on the affliction. He's going to be taking on the burden of your and my sin and and all of humanity and he says i'm troubled and what shall i say then and what shall i say father save me from this hour jesus having this little conversation in his own head what what how do i respond to this pressure Do I say, God, save me from it? But for this purpose, I have come. Father, glorify your name when you are in that situation. God, do I say, deliver me from this? Maybe. God, this is part of why I'm here. And the conclusion is, glorify your name in it. And it wasn't easy for Jesus, and it won't be easy for us. But he says, Father, that your name would be exalted and lifted high. That any credit or any benefit or any boasting would go to you and through the life of the saints, that glory goes to God through your patient, enduring and verse 28, glorify your name and then a voice from heaven, which blew me away when I came across this. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again in you. In Christ, God was glorified. And when the affliction and the persecution and the oppression increases, He is glorified even more. And at His death and burial and resurrection, God was glorified even more. And upon His return, for in the way that He left, He is coming back and he gathers all the saints together, God is glorified more because of your patient enduring, because of your love of the saints, and because of your growth in Christ, his name is exalted. I present to you the situation you are in. It is bigger than you. And sometimes that doesn't offer relief. But why should I pray that, be, that I be delivered from this? No, I pray God somehow be glorified in it. Through me. Through how I react. May glory be given to your name. It is due unto God. It is owned by God. And we're just returning it to God by us walking faithfully. I'm going to transition now to our communion time. We, 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 we finished with just Christ before the crucifixion. We began with persecution and trials and struggles and our reactions to them. And I want to read a passage. We don't have the slide As we go into communion today. Have this mind among yourselves. Philippians 2. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God. Did not count equality with God. A thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. And he took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being in human form. He humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ came, he fulfilled the will of God. Christ slain before the foundations of the earth. The struggle, the trial, the persecution, do I be delivered from it? No, it was for this that I came. And as he gave his life, if we have faith and belief in the work that he did, if we have love for the brothers, if we are enduring at this time, let us remember what Christ purchased for us. Salvation in struggle and ultimately the saints to be glorified with him at the end of all things when he returns.